Hi, everybody, and welcome to Observing with Web for July of 2021. And just like fireworks, July is mostly quiet and dull, but the noisy and bright events really make it worthwhile. We have two pairs of planets visible during opposite times and in opposite places, and we've got some surreptitious visits from the moon. So welcome to Observing with Webb, where a high school astronomy teacher tells you what you're looking at, why it's so cool, and what you should check out later this month at night. Don't forget that I usually put out a video version of this on YouTube, which might be for July and August this month. Month, um, but I might do a two-month episode, uh, and also you can listen to this on Podbean, Stitcher, or iTunes, and also the social medias are Mr. Web PV on Twitter and Instagram, and at PV Planetarium on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So let's get into. Uh, we're going to talk about the planets. We're also going to talk about the events that are going on. And then take a quick little look at what constellations you can find. So let's get started with the planets. So at sunset, we've got two bright planets. We've got our two terrestrial planets. In fact, the two, well, there are three, but the two that we can see. But there are um, two terrestrial planets, the two closest planets that we uh, are, that the Earth is closest to on average, which is Mars and Venus. And you just have to look west. Um, and to find Venus, Venus is the easier one. You're staying about eh, 15 degrees above the horizon all throughout the month. So if you look at the horizon after sunset, just put your fist out at arm's length and uh, go about 50% further. The bottom of your fist is at the horizon. The top of your fist is at 10 degrees. And then 50% further is 15. That's about as high as Venus is going to get. But um, it's so easy to see because it's bright, easily the brightest thing out there, okay? And it's not moving, even though it might appear if you're driving or whatever. But the other one is Mars. Now, this is your last month to see Mars. Uh, and this is, um, you know, we're not going to be able to see it for a couple more months because what is happening is Earth is flying around the sun opposite of Mars, and I believe that happens in August. So the sun is right in between us and Mars. So just look west after sunset, but before 9.30 p.m., okay? And that's when you'll be able to find Mars and Venus. Now, Mars is going to be kind of up and to the left of Venus in the beginning of the month and then down and to the right toward the end of the month. So you really want to look for Venus first. And um, we'll talk about more about how they actually get less than a degree apart later on in the month. All right, so sunset is Mars and Venus, after sunset, but before 9.30. Now, throughout the night, usually I would say none at the moment right here, but I think I'm going to get started and say Saturn and Jupiter. I might be uh, jumping the gun a little bit, but uh, sometimes we stay late, stay up late in the summer. Uh, now, what happens is Saturn rises around 10.30, uh, Jupiter rises about an hour later. And so all you have to do to see these is look low in the east-southeast around this time, uh, around you know, 10.30 or after that, and uh, or actually probably closer to 11.30, and you'll see a bright Jupiter down and to the left 
of Saturn, but Saturn is not quite as bright. Now, 1030, that's in the beginning of the month. Now, what happens is they rise earlier and earlier each day. And so by the end of July, Saturn and Jupiter rise around 8.15 p.m. and 9.15 respectively, Saturn and Jupiter. And that's, well, that's during dusk, which means they're going to be throughout the night planets from here on out. Well, for a couple months. So this also means that it is a great time for checking out Saturn's rings, Jupiter's moons, um, all through through your telescopes. um, And you'll probably... If you want to get a real good view of them, though, you don't want to get them real low on the horizon. You want to stay up until the morning or midnight uh, or even later than that or get up early in the morning when they're higher in the sky. And thus, they're going to be clearer through the telescope because you're looking through less air. Now, I just said that Saturn and Jupiter are throughout the night, and that's because in the morning, they are the two morning planets, Saturn and Jupiter. Now, these are Um, our gas giants. We had our terrestrial planets, our rocky planets of Venus and Mars, and now we've got two gaseous planets, Saturn and Jupiter. And uh, speaking of how I was saying, oh, let's stay up to observe Saturn and Jupiter, where would they be around sunrise? Well, in the beginning of July, before 5 a.m., what you want to do is look south or southeast, almost halfway up the sky. And Saturn will be to the right and a little down from the very bright Jupiter. But at the end of July, both of them will be close to setting in the southwest during the, you know, 5.30 a.m. dawn. And Jupiter is going to be about 15 degrees higher than Saturn. So uh, to review, we've got in the morning, we've got Jupiter and Saturn, but they're off in the south, eh, southeast, or sorry, southwest. Uh, And then uh, in the evenings throughout the night, we've got Saturn and Jupiter, but they're more toward the east, southeast. And around sunset, you've got Mars and Venus in the west. All right, let's talk about some events that are going on. There's really only two big ones with the planets and the moon, but let's talk about the moon first. Now, the last quarter moon is on the 1st of July, which is visible from midnight, starting at midnight and into the morning. Now, after that, we've got some morning crescents. So you look east in the morning and you'll see some crescent moon action. Then the new moon is on the 9th. That's when it's the darkest skies because the moon is in between us and the sun. Now, after the 9th, you start getting some evening crescents. Just look west after sunset. And the crescent keeps getting bigger and bigger until it's a first quarter moon on the 17th. Now, that is visible until midnight on the 17th. Now, after that, you get the evening gibbous moons, which is when it's mostly lit, uh, and you can see it after sunset. In fact, depending, you might see it before sunset. But the full moon is on the 23rd of July. That's when it's visible the entire night. Now, the waning gibbous comes after that. It's when it's still mostly lit, but it's the left part that's lit, and it also rises later at night. Uh, And then it sort of gets less and less lit until it's only half lit, the left half. And that is the last quarter moon. And that is on uh, July 30th. And let's talk about those two eh, multiple day events. 
Um, now, we were talking about the morning planets and the evening planets, and that's exactly what we have the moon going through. Uh, now, the moon is going to go through Venus and Mars on July 11th to the 14th. Now, not only this month are Mars and Venus actually getting to less than a degree apart from each other, and that's going to happen on the 12th, but the moon is actually joining the party. So get out there after sunset, but before 9.30, and look west. The easiest to find will likely be that bright beacon, which is Venus. Now on the 11th, of July, Mars will be only a pinky width to the left, but also very dim, uh, of Venus. And at the same time, a two-day-old crescent moon will be hanging out about three finger widths to the right of Venus at about the same height. Now, of course, I'm talking about a pinky and three fingers that are held at arm's length. So I guess you could hold out your four fingers and just put Venus between your pinky and your ring finger. And anyway, you you get what I'm saying. Now, on the 12th, this is probably the best night for this close encounter. And that's because Mars and Venus are about half a degree apart. That's about half of what they were the previous night. And the moon is thicker. And easier to find, it's just six degrees up and to the left of Venus and Mars. And it's also got Leo the Lion right above the moon. If you look at it in you know a particular way, it might look like Leo is eating the moon. Uh, but anyway, over the next two nights, the moon leaves that party, goes through Leo, and Mars and Venus start separating with Mars actually going below Venus now. But they're still in the same general area. So... From the 11th to the 14th, get out those binoculars, get out those telescopes, and find a good horizon. Why? Well, there's no rings or really any moons to see here. However, um, you'll be looking at the three closest worlds to Earth all in one view. The moon, Mars, and Venus. And we actually have technology on all three of them, which is pretty cool. None of which is operational on Venus, but, you know, you can cook a pizza there in eight seconds. So anyway, let's move on to um, the 22nd to the 26th. And that's when we have a nice close encounter between the moon, Saturn and Jupiter. Okay. now basically what you want to do from the 22nd to the 26th is after 1030 p.m. Look southeast. Or, if it's before dawn, you're getting up early in the morning, look southwest. But either southeast at night, southwest in the morning. And what you'll find is bright Jupiter and Saturn in that direction. Now, the moon is far to the right of Saturn on the nights of the 22nd and 23rd. So they make a really cool line, but they're not real close together on the 22nd and 23rd. But then, on the 24th, the moon actually moves in between the planets. And then it closes in below Jupiter on the 25th of July. And then it leaves the party on the 26th, kind of getting further and further to the left. So again, we've got 22nd to 26th, moon, Saturn, and Jupiter. And then on the 11th to the 14th, we've got the moon with Venus and Mars. Let's take a quick look at some constellations. Now, again, I recommend skymaps.com. They do a wonderful sky map. 
uh, every single month, and it just came out. Um, and what you will probably find here, um, let's say, let's go uh, after dinner, but before bed, you'll see the spring constellations. And in particular, you'll see the Big Dipper, Booties, Virgo, Corona Borealis, and Hercules. So let's go outside. Let's imagine what's going on. So gaze at the sky almost vertically as you face the northwest. You'll easily find the Big Dipper, seven very bright stars that form a spoon shape. Now, if you take the handle of the Big Dipper, follow its curve to the next bright star you see, about 30 degrees away, which is Arcturus. And that would be when we follow the arc to Arcturus. Now that is the brightest star in Booties or Bootes, which looks like a kite. Now take that same curve you just made and follow it another 20 degrees, and uh, that'll make you speed on to Spica, the brightest star in Virgo, which is one of my favorite constellations since it reminds me of the Dickinson Mermaid. Now go back to Booties. And just to the left of Booties are seven stars that form the northern crown known as Corona Borealis, which looks more like a small bowl or a sea in the sky. And if you continue a little further to the left, you'll find the Keystone Asterism, which is part of the constellation Hercules. Now, if you're extra good, Look for M13, the Hercules cluster, in between two of Hercules' keystone stars. It is known as the best globular in the northern skies. And it'll be a fuzzy spot in binoculars and even cooler through a telescope. So that's what you get before bed, some spring constellations. You also get some summer constellations out there. Lyra, Cygnus, and Aquila are the ones we're looking for. And you just look pretty much straight above you and find the brightest star up there. And you'll notice a parallelogram attached to it. This is the brightest star, Vega, part of the constellation Lyra the Harp. Now directly above you will be Cygnus the Swan with its brightest star, Deneb. It will look like a large cross, or if you sort of think out a little bit further, you'll see a swan flying above you. And below Cygnus and Lyra is the third constellation of the Summer Triangle, Aquila the Eagle, with its brightest star, Altair. Now these three bright stars in this one can easily be confused for Orion's Belt, given that they're similar in size. Um, however, they're not in line quite as straight, and they're part of a bigger diamond shape. But again, use a star chart to help you out. And with the star chart, you should be able to find Delphinus the dolphin, and Sagitta the arrow in the area as well. Let's say you get up before work, though, nice and early in the morning. Uh, you'll be looking at Pegasus and Andromeda. Basically, just look directly south and most of the way up the sky, and you'll see, uh, you'll find the very big and almost perfect square of Pegasus, the winged horse. 
Now, if you look to the top left of the square, you'll see three pairs of stars creating a neat double curve to the left and up from that corner star, and that is Andromeda. Now, if you have a little extra time, find the middle pair of stars, connect them with a line, and move toward the inside of the curve about the same distance as those stars are apart. There, you will find the Andromeda Galaxy. Now, this will, this will be just a small, faint fuzzy with your naked eye. But the cool part is that you are looking at billions of stars that are 2.9 million light years away that spread out about 150,000 light years across. And if you have a telescope or binoculars, you might even be able to see more of that fuzziness. Don't forget that this podcast is found on my Podbean page, Stitcher, and iTunes. I've also got that YouTube channel, Mr. Web PV. And also you can look for Mr. Web PV and PV Planetarium on the socials. And um, yeah, with that, uh, I'd like to wish you all a very clear, dark sky for the month of July. <laughs>